Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Well, happy Tuesday, everybody. It's the Bauer and Rose podcast brought to you by JustTheNews.com. You can catch us at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and subscribe. So when Bauer and Rose pontificate, you'll be notified and won't have to search for us through the endless uh, universe known as the web. All right, Gary. Um, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is that five-star on a 10-star scale, or is that the five-stars on the five-star scale? That would be a five-star on, I guess, the two-and-a-half-star scale, right? I mean, if every, Whoa, if every, we're that yeah, good. Yeah, we're that good. Hmm. We're that good, although I have to tell you, hmm. Gary and I, uh, today, we're on a journey. We're uh, paddling through these fog-filled waters. I have no idea where we are. I have no idea where we're going. I will be honest, you're going to have to lift us up today. I am and have been terribly depressed. And if I'm asked why I can uh, identify my depression in one simple fact, it is that it, it, what hope is there for a party, for a movement, for a value system, for a country that elects John Fetterman? <laughs> Well, you know the you know what they're talking about, uh, Tom. They're talking about a Biden Fetterman ticket. It's a it's a no brainer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it took him a while, folks, but he finally got it. I'm a little slow today these past couple of days. Uh, yes, uh, 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 look, I I'm worried about the country, Tom. But I I guess. Uh, um, in my own way, I'm just as concerned about the vehicle we've made our home in to try to save the country. And that's the Republican Party, the party of Lincoln and Reagan and Trump. And Mitch McConnell. Which, yeah, which acts like a party of corporate chieftains, uh, endless wars and uh, folks that get up every morning saying to themselves, how can I protect carried interests from the tax man instead of thinking about how do I help the truck driver and the farmer and the clerk uh, to have a decent life in this country that's supposed to be a shining city upon a hill. And I just find, Tom, more and more that the vehicle we have, I, I don't know what, the, there's no alternative, but it's so flawed at its core. It is, it is more at war with its own voters than it is with the political left in America. I mean, the, the and I, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you can see it this week where, you know, everybody and their brother is running to a microphone to condemn Donald Trump and, and blame Donald Trump for the election. 
and the lousy candidates he chose. Well, guess what, folks? Whether you're a fan of him being the candidate in 24 again or not a fan, Donald Trump didn't pick the candidates that ran. That would be you, Republican voters, that did that. So once again, you have an establishment, this time not the leftist establishment, but the Republican establishment, attacking its voters and they're doing it by attacking Donald Trump. Oh, I can't believe Donald Trump picked Oz in Pennsylvania. And look, look what happened. Well, that was the voters in the Republican primary in Pennsylvania that picked Oz. I, I did a, by the way, Tom, I did a little thing. Uh, th- th- I thought this was kind of useful. Uh, we four, four elections for the House of Representatives, 2016, 2018, 2020, 2022. In the two congressional elections when Donald Trump was on the ballot in 2016 and in 2020, we picked up a net gain in the House of eight seats. In the two House elections in 2018 and 2022, uh, we lost a net 34 seats. So if Donald Trump is the problem, why do we pick up seats when he's on the ballot in the House of Representatives and lose seats in the years when he's not on the ballot? Maybe it's got something else to do than Donald Trump. And I just one final thought on this, Tom. Why did the party end up nominating Donald, Donald Trump to begin with? What was what cre- did Donald Trump create the problems in the Republican Party? No, he was a symptom of the problems in the Republican Party. And the number one part problem in the Republican Party is, is that Republican voters do not believe the party actually likes them, respects them, and gets up every day trying to make things better for them instead of for their corporate sponsors that they raise all the money from the party in the party from. You know, we're going to have to work and harder. To that's find, all, folks. We're going to have to work harder to find things, you and I, that we that we disagree on. Because I think that the GOP smear campaign against Trump is just another attempt by, let's face it, a failed GOP leadership establishment to avoid responsibility for their own faults. I mean, was it Trump's fault that Mitch McConnell gave not one dollar out of his $450 million war chest to Blake Masters in Arizona? Was it Donald Trump's fault that Mitch McConnell pulled $6.5 million from General Brian Baldick's campaign, Don Baldick, pardon me, uh, Don Baldick's campaign in New Hampshire? Look, McConnell made no secret, has made no secret of his priority to elect Republican allies in the Senate that that's his priority over winning a majority in the Senate. But let's not forget, I mean, before the election, it was Mitch McConnell who partnered with Joe Biden to pass the most left-wing agenda in history. It was Mitch McConnell who helped Biden raise the debt ceiling, not once, but twice. It was McConnell who ensured Biden had the votes to pass this $2 trillion infrastructure package 
that everyone promised would fix our roads and bridges and has yet done absolutely nothing. It was McConnell who rounded up the votes to pass the CHIPS Act. And as for judges, which every Republican wants to give credit to Mitch McConnell, I dare say that the real credit belongs inside a grave somewhere in Nevada. It was Harry Reid that enabled Mitch McConnell to shepherd through three conservative Supreme Court nominees because it was Harry Reid that blew up the filibuster that allowed for a simple majority vote. And let me say this just in, in, in closing here. Um, we have a Democrat leader now in the Senate, the same guy we had before, Chuck Schumer, who I bet, I predict right here on the Bauer and Rose podcast, is going to prove even better at confirming his left-wing judges than Mitch McConnell was for him. I, I just don't get it. The more Republican leaders fail, the farther and the faster they rise up our apparatus. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better. And in fact, I think I did say it a little bit. <laughs> no, look, Tom, I mean, it. Uh, I'm, tr- I'm trying to bring a little levity to this because it, it it's a... <laughs> It's a really important moment in America. I mean, po- you know, politicians are politicians, and Washington's a messy place. And if, you know, any, any particular time in our history, if Americans actually came to Washington and could see what goes on behind closed doors, they would probably be so depressed uh, that they would never vote again. But this isn't just another time in America. This isn't the 50s. It's not even the raucous 60s and 70s. And I keep going back to, you know, uh, a conversation you and I have had on occasion with some fairly important people who we, there's no need to, to, to name, uh, about a fundamental question. What time is it? I'm not referring to the recent time change that, you know, gives us this, you know, where we gained an hour or whatever. What actual time is it in America? I believe the hour is late. I just gave uh, a speech in front of some really good people and influential people, strong uh, Christian conservatives, all of them. Um, and I quoted uh, Thomas Paine's, you know, this, this is the times that, that try men's souls. I don't believe the leadership of the Republican Party think there's anything unusual about this time. I, I think what we're seeing right now is, is not that they want to get past Trump the man. They want to get past Trump, Trump's policies. They want to go back to the old agenda of the Republican Party. And you and I might even disagree about what that agenda is, particularly when it comes to foreign policy. But, you know, in the last couple of days, oh, I'm hearing about, oh, Trump's going to ruin everything. We got to get him out of here. You know, it's going to bring us down or whatever. And we can do it. We can we can get rid of we can move on to nobody's talking about. And are you sure? Do you have some research? Do you have any studies that show that when you get rid of Trump, you're not going to get rid of the 8 million new working class voters of all racial backgrounds that he brought into the Republican Party? Because if you can't, you can't prove to us that you're going to bring them back, uh, we'll have a disappointment in 2024 if these people succeed 
that'll make our disappointment this year look like a Sunday school picnic. You are listening to the Bauer and Road Rose podcast on justthenews.com. We're back right after this. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back, everybody. Tom Rose, Gary Bauer with you on a uh, Tuesday, post-election Tuesday. We've, we've been uh, drowning in our own tears this past week. My hunch um, is that the country's changing in some ways positively and in, unfortunately more ways, I think, negatively. Um, fewer and fewer people, if we read these election returns, are changing their votes. We're becoming much more tribal. We're more pr- tribal and primal. I think there are smaller and smaller pools of votes that are, that are open to change their mind. And one of the <clears throat> great questions from this election that I, I can't get my head around, you're a lot smarter than I am, people who voted for the status quo are the same people who tell everyone that they all hate the status quo. The country expresses widespread anger with everything that's going on today in the country, from inflation to our national security crises, to Biden capitulating to China, which we'll talk about a bit later, to crime, to uh, the destruction of our educational system, the sexualization of our children, efforts to crush the family and traditional values. And yet they just reelect all of the incumbents. Uh, like the Michigan governor, Gretchen Whitmer, she was the poster child for authoritarian shutdowns, and she was rewarded for it. Geographically, uh, much has been made of this, this concept of the, uh, the so-called great sort. Colorado, let's face it, is gone now. Colorado is dark blue. Florida's turning darker red, and here's what I think is one of the interesting things. <clears throat> and I was, do, I was checking this election night and the day later. Uh, the, New York, the New York case is interesting. The difference between the number of New York expats that have moved to Florida mirrors almost exactly the number of new Florida Republican registrants. So the New York Republicans, the New York expats that are fleeing the high taxes, the high crime, the filth, the garbage, the drugs that are coming to Florida... um, are bringing their conservative politics with them. In Colorado, it's the opposite. You've got large exoduses of people from California, Oregon, Washington, leaving what they claim are high-tax states, high-regulation states, woke states, but they're bringing their politics with them and in the process destroying uh, Colorado and to an extent uh, Nevada. Um, I, I just think that... <clears throat> well, I don't know what I think. Tell me what to think. 
Um, well, I, I think this is a bad day when both of us show up for the podcast, uh, hoping and praying that the other one will cheer us up. <laughs> That's what I think. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, look, this the, the, this is a, a mess, Tom, and I it, as I listen to you talk, you know, the, we're worried about winning votes. You know, we want to convince as many people as possible to vote our way. The Democrats approach elections as an exercise in winning ballots of collecting not as many votes as possible, but as many ballots as possible. And we let them in under COVID multiple states that had Republican governors and in many cases, at least half of the Republican legislatures sat there as Democrats in the name of COVID made massive changes in the way we conduct elections. All the changes they made are to their benefit. And while we've made some improvements, notably in Florida, for example, but it was a brutal ballot, a battle, um, we're doing okay. But uh, you know, there's there's this uh, news out of out of Arizona that Carrie Lake lost. I, I find that the most heartbreaking loss of all, because she was a national figure ready to explode on the national scene. And I do not believe, uh, you know, if our if our podcast disappears, folks, it's the you know the censors just got us. I do not believe that was an honest election. I do not believe that was a fair election. There, I, I do not believe in coincidences that only hurt Republicans. So, you, you know, every time there's something that happens untoward in an election, machines break or ballots are found in trucks of cars, every time it's to the benefit of Democrats and to the detriment of Republicans. So in Maricopa County, in, you know, 40, 30, 40 major voting areas, machines suddenly go on the blink. Lines form that now take hours to vote. And what a coincidence. It only happened in the areas that were heavily read Republican areas. Now, I don't, I don't believe that. I refuse to believe that. It's ludicrous to believe that. But I just saw a gigantic story in the Washington Post quoting all sides of all, all types of Republican insiders saying they have been spending the last 24 hours begging Carrie Lake, doing everything they could to tell Carrie Lake, don't, don't complain about the election. Don't say you were cheated. Please, please don't do that. That would be a mistake. Holy, you know what? So you've got a Democrat party that is committed to cheating, Tom. I'm sorry, they just are. How else can you explain the Democrat Secretary of State in Michigan going into federal court to try to block Republicans from removing dead people from the voting rolls? What possible public policy reason would you want to keep dead people on voting rolls? So they're committed to cheating. They have been my entire life. I grew up reading about the Chicago Daily Machine, the machines in the big cities. We're acting like, oh, this you know, you're undermining democracy. Well, then Democrats have been undermining democracy for 50 years 
everybody knew they cheated in the big cities. Did somebody ring a bell somewhere where the Democrats who control the big cities decided they weren't going to cheat them anymore? So I, I think we've, you know, we're, we're censoring ourselves. We're trying to keep the centers quiet. And meanwhile, the Democrats are having some meeting someplace going, well, we did it again. You know, I and I this is on my my cheat sheet for today. The notes that I threw together before our podcasts, I'm unlike Gary Bauer. I'm not smart enough to just walk in Antarctic cold and fire off. I've got to actually prepare for three, (laughs) sometimes even five minutes. But this was the next item on my on my sheet here, and that's early voting. I hate it. It's not good for democracy, it's not good for the country, but it's what we have. We can either complain about it, we can whine about it, we can blame our losses on it, and I think there's legitimacy in doing that, or we can pick ourselves up and we can find a way to digest this excrement sandwich we've been force-fed and learn to play by the rules of the new game. Maricopa County, you mentioned it. It's a highly Democrat county, but 70% of the Democrats voted long before Election Day. So the people in line in the one-third of the precincts with machines that mysteriously all ran out of ink. I guess Carrie Lake is, or uh, I don't remember what the hell her name is, the woman that allegedly beat her. Yeah, Uh, Kathy, somebody. Katie Hobbs. Katie, see, there you go. Well, she's such a penny pincher, and she's such a custodian of taxpayer dollars that she didn't buy enough ink to print ballots in Republican districts on Election Day. Uh, it's, um, and if you think things are bad now, Gary, in Arizona, it's only going to get worse. One of the things Republicans uh, congenitally do is we don't make serious efforts or bids to fight for election rules before the election. We're fantastic at complaining about them after the election. We're terrific at you know screaming, how can this happen? And that's one of the things that make election month, I think we should start calling it what it is, election month, when voters in Pennsylvania are able to start voting on Labor Day, the day after Labor Day. 50 days, that's more than two months. Now, a basic element of that plan is quite simple. 50 days gives your apparatus 50 days to find any and every possible voter as opposed to Republican efforts, which rely on traditionally Republican voters doing what Americans have done for two and a quarter centuries, and that is voting On Election Day, even after 2020, Republicans still put far less effort and far less money and far less resources into the elections for Secretary of State races. And it happened in Arizona. It happened, uh, um, believe it or not, it happened in Florida. It happened in Michigan. These today are more, well, I don't know about more important than gubernatorial seats. These are critically important positions. And it's about doggone time Republicans realize that and recognize that and start playing the game that the Democrats have written for us. Because there's no other way we're going to ever win another serious election, Gary. 
Well, I mean, Tom, I agree with most of that analysis. I mean, I, I think we need to, um, you know, try try to identify our voters during that period when you can vote early, et cetera. But, but, but I, here's what I see as the problem that there are so many areas of the country that have been demographically changed and are continuing to be changed right in front of our eyes. It's happening right now. In spite of all that ballyhoo about how much better we were going to do with Hispanics and so nationwide, we lost the Hispanic vote 55% to 38%. Now, is that better than before? Yeah, yeah, it is. But you bring a couple thousand, hundred thousand, or a couple million more of those voters in, that just means a couple million more voters will break 55 to 38, that we'll have to make up somewhere else. The, the Democrats, because they have these long periods of pre-election day voting and are able to go out with their machine they can go in the big cities to low information voters, many of them, you know, not really having great lives, and they just spread a little money around and they harvest those votes. I mean, they, they started doing it in California. We got our heads handed to us. So we started, uh, doing the vote harvesting because the law allowed it in California. It's a little bit better. But not a lot better because there aren't enough Republicans anymore compared to voting blocks of Democrats in California. So no matter how badly the Democrats screw up that state, we stand, still can't find 50% plus one. So I, to me, it, we've got to fight like Hades to get election day back to being election day. How do we do now, that? How do we do that when we don't invest in secretary of state races? How do we do that when everybody now, even Republicans, I mean, we don't fight election law changes before elections. Well, guess who was pushing that, Tom? That was a guy named Donald Trump. He was pushing Ducey in Arizona. He was pushing Kemp in Georgia to make significant changes in voting procedures. And you know what? They made some changes, but they didn't make significant changes because they don't want a populist Republican Party. So it's to their benefit to not have a party that brings in more of these working class people and have voting procedures that allows them you know, to be able to vote and, and to win some of these elections. I, you know, I, I, I was I was reading that during this uh, process of you know, this, if you heard of this time, curing, yeah. curing the, the ballot. Right. That's when somebody is so freaking stupid. They can't fill out their ballot correctly. So when that happens and the, the counters are looking like, oh, gosh, there's another Democrat that didn't fill out his ballot correctly. Give that guy a call. Well, he doesn't answer his phone. So you know what they do next? They go to where he lives and they knock on the door with the ballot and say, uh, buddy, yeah, you need to do it. You need to fill out a new one if you want the devil. You want us to win, right? Okay, you know who was knocking on the doors to cure the ballots? 300 volunteers. This was actually in Las Vegas. 300 volunteers from the culinary union. The big left-wing union. That's who was taking the ballots. Why don't we do that? 
Well, we don't have something like the culinary We got to make move. it. We got to make it. Look, I hate it. I hate early voting. It's bad on so many levels. It's ripe for corruption. It's ripe for fraud. Until we get it changed, if we ever can get it changed, we have got to learn how to play by their rules. But what's the institution, Tom, that is the comparable institution to the culinary union? The unions give billions of dollars to left-wing causes, and they provide tens of thousands of volunteers. What is that institution that is supposed to do that for us, that will march in lockstep with our ideas? The closest I can come to it is uh, evangelical churches. But the Republican establishment sloughs them off. They, they don't want to have to keep them happy. Well, that would mean not getting, you know, being invited to all the fancy cocktail parties. If you start voting for things that the evangelical churches want you to vote in favor of, you could lose, you know, your reputation. You're one of those people. You might not be able to get the presidency of some university someday that you're angling for or the big book contract that you want. So I, it's a lot harder when when you have a party that doesn't get up every morning thinking to itself, I want to make America better for the people that are elected. We count on to elect us. And they were furious at Donald Trump that he made those people their uh, his priority. They hated it. They hated it that he made those people his priority. We're going to take one final break. Then when we come back, I want to talk about what was 50 years ago that Richard Nixon went to China. And it was yesterday that Joe Biden surrendered to China. We'll be right back. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome back, everybody. Tom Rose, Gary Bauer, the Biden, the Biden. I was about to say the Biden and Rose podcast. Well, you know, if you keep messing around, that may end up being the Biden Rose. I've had it, Rose. <laughs> I, I mean, I've, I've had some health challenges these past few days, but my great fear is that I'm going to be part of the Biden Fetterman. I just said the Biden and Rose podcast. Uh, all right. Well, I'm, do, do, do crosswords, Tom. I just read that <laughs> crossword, regular doing of crosswords stops cognitive decline. Is, it, is, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, who, who are you again? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> Look, yesterday we had an event that didn't get a lot of media attention because our media is, well, it's corrupt and uh, uh, focused primarily on domestic issues, but it's a big, big bad world out there. Joe Biden in Bali, I think it's Bali, maybe it was Jakarta, in Indonesia for the G20, probably Bali because they have nicer hotels, uh, a joint press conference with President Xi. When a reporter asked President Biden, if he had pressed President Xi about China's lack of human rights 
a Chinese security thug literally shoved this woman out of the room. She was an American reporter. I can't remember who she was or where she was from. He did this. There were two of them, actually, two thugs. They threw her out, not only in front of the President of the United States, but literally in front of the world. Biden stood there. He said nothing. He said nothing as an American reporter was attacked right in front of him. In Biden's opening remarks yesterday, he failed to mention human rights. He failed to mention Taiwan. He failed to mention persecuted Christians. He failed to mention China's uh, abrogation of its contractual treaty commitments to save and protect Hong Kong's democracy. He failed to mention the internment camps in Xinjiang, in which, depending on what estimate you believe, one million, two million Uyghurs are held in literal concentration camp environments, labor camps. He failed to mention Chinese fentanyl, which has killed hundreds of thousands of Americans. He failed to, me- to mention China's espionage program. It's, it's spying apparatus in the United States, which has literally stolen trillions of dollars in American intellectual property. And most appallingly of all, Gary, he failed to mention COVID. He didn't mention anything of any relevance whatsoever to any of America's interests or needs. Well, Tom, the way I summarize that, and that was very, that was very uh, moving and articulate, but uh, so there was a meeting uh, uh, where the interests of the United States and the interests of communist China uh, were, were going to be worked out, or there was supposed to be some progress made on areas of concern. And, and the problem was there was no one at the table representing the United States. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but you're absolutely right. <laughs> Was, yeah, yeah, I mean, so no, it's kind of tough right. to come, absolutely. tough to come up, you know, out of negotiations in, in a better shape when neither party and and the, to make even a finer point on it, I'll guarantee you, I don't know she, uh, I've never met him, but I I know men like him because there's always been men like him. Um, I know that he got up yesterday morning and the day before and every day of his adult life and every day he's still on this planet and he'll have one thought in his mind. How do I make communist China great again? How do I make communist China the world's premier power? How do I make everybody else in the world get up every day and ask themselves, what do I have to do today to stay on the right side of communist China? We've got a president who gets up every day with the idea in his mind, how, what can I do to make sure that 30 years from now, average world temperatures don't go up one degree Fahrenheit? That's actually what Biden began his opening statement with, how important it is that communist China and the United States work together to prevent global climate change. I am shocked that she and his colleagues didn't break out in raucous laughter hearing this comedy show of a president and his top officials go into that meeting with a guy across sitting across the table from a guy that intends to run the world and tell him that what you really want to work with him on 
is climate change. And Tom, the, just to reemphasize, just to put which, an which emphasis on that. Which, by the way, that. which I don't mean to interject, and I'll let you finish. Don't lose the thought. Our emphasis on climate change helps China dramatically because as we quote unquote electrify all the rare earth minerals that are being mined today and in incredibly environmentally destructive uh, processes I might add come from China. China builds the batteries. They build the solar panels. We invest trillions in this in this uh, uh, utopian fantasy and that money goes to China. Yep. No, great, great point, Tom. And, uh, uh, you know, just, just to reemphasize this, uh, B- Biden gave $20 billion of you, the taxpayers, money yesterday to Indonesia to wean them off coal. China is opening a new coal plant every week. They're building them as fast as humanly possible. And we just gave $20 billion that we probably borrowed from China. I mean, if we spent $20 billion, we had to sell treasury bills and treasury bonds to get the $20 billion. And China is one of the big purchasers. Do you really think Indonesia is going to stop exporting coal to China? Be honest, Gary. No, of course not. And I wish somebody would give us $20 billion to wean us off stupid. Which is what we appear to be hooked on. You know, you know, I just had a thought as you were talking. Not that I wasn't listening, but we've done this whole thing backwards. We've done one world unilateralism, which is destined to fail abroad, and crazy, self-destructive, multicultural tribalism at home. Globally, we try to unify under our values, which change every 20 minutes, by the way. And at home, we hyphenate. We should be a civic nation at home and recognize the diversity abroad to deal with the world as it really is. And the world is a diverse place. Iran and Saudi Arabia are not the same. Russia and China are not the same. You know, as, as you were talking about China, it, it, it struck me collapsing Russia. Okay. That apparently is the agenda and objective of the Biden administration, and I am, not only am I no fan of Vladimir Putin, the invasion of Ukraine, and Gary and I disagree on this, a tremendous threat to world peace, an outrage, inexcusable, murder, mayhem, a threat to peace. Let's leave it at that. But what is it that the Democrats want? They say they want regime change. They say they want a collapsing Russia. Is that a good idea? Let me ask you. If, if Russia, quote-unquote, collapses, then we have China on Poland's border. Then we have China on Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania's border. Russia comes back, because guess what? Russia always comes back. It came back after Napoleon. It came back after Gustav XII, the Swedish king. It came back after the Lithuanian-Polish Commonwealth. It came back after communism. It'll come back. So watch Russia and China battle over Iran. Why does Russia support Iran? Because if Russia then turns on Iran, then China moves on Russia throughout Eurasia. This isn't all about us. We have this incredibly myopic view that the world revolves around us, and we've got it completely, uh, uh, what is it, uh, bass backwards to say on, on proper podcast radio, we push unilateralism and globalism 
and unity under these idiotic, idealistic uh, premises around the world, and we push multiculturalism at home. We don't respect differences abroad, and yet we worship them here at home. I don't get it. Well, Tom, I, I mean, I'm I, obviously I'm no fan of Putin's either. I, I, re, I remember when George Bush, you know, first met him and said he looked into his eyes and saw his soul. That ended up being um, a, a, a goofy moment that he regretted. I think that George W. regretted. Look, Tom, I think one of the one of the reasons the left hates Putin so much is it's not because he's an aggressor. They hate him so much because they still think that Russia colluded with Trump to steal the election. That's one thing. Second of all, they hate him because Putin rejects multiculturalism. He, you know, he doesn't he doesn't tolerate radical gay groups going into churches and desecrating the altars. He throws those people in jail. So uh, there's a lot of stuff there that causes the woke American left to despise uh, Russia uh, under the Orthodox Church. You know, now it's no longer communist, the, the Soviet Union. When it was the Soviet Union, Democrats found all sorts of reasons not to get tough on them. But now that the, the communists are gone and it's an Orthodox Christian country, well, now the Democrats, they feel really comfortable, you know, bringing that down or whatever. But you, you made an interesting point about tribalism and globalism. You know, the, the two things here that are going on, tribalism, which the left uses to divide not just the United States, but this this is happening in every Western nation and in globalism, which is you know, far left global, far left global government that will be out of the reach of normal people to do anything about to influence the change. You'll be told what to do. You know what the sweet spot is between world globalism and tribalism? It's called nationalism. It's called nation states. And when those nation states are free like the United States and like Israel, being proud of that nation, fighting for that nation, holding up that nation, making that nation stronger is the best way to preserve liberty. And it's the it's the fact that Israel believes in nationalism because Israel is the only place for the world's Jews, the only country Jews has as a country as, uh, of their own. And the United States under Trump promoting America first, that's the reason the globalists and the tribalism groups hate so much these two pillars of Judeo-Christian Western civilization. I was hoping I would have some way to end this on a higher note, but that's not possible because that was terrific. That was excellent. Gary, uh, thanks for joining us as the uh, guest today on the Bower and Rose podcast. No, this was, this was I think, frankly, one of our better podcasts. Um, yeah, I think this should be required viewing. Can we get a law passed on that? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> anyway, have a great day. We'll talk to you. I can't. Are we Thursdays or Fridays? I keep forgetting. I think we're Fridays. Uh, I, think it, I think it depends on how what you had to drink the night before. Or during the day. Yes, maybe so. Maybe I mean, so. as Churchill said, there are two kinds of problem drinkers. Those that drink too much and those that don't drink enough. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great day. We'll talk soon. Take care.